Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Thank you, Dick Warren, and thank you, dear listener, for being with us again today at an extraordinary edition of The Coaching Show. I'm here as I am now. Would you say you're the official co-host, Alex? Would you say it's you know, unofficial? It seems pretty official. I'm not on the logo yet. Like, I'm not on the, the little picture on yeah, iTunes. You know, it's my name's not in the title, so if you search, it doesn't come up. So it feels like I'm like, you know, you're kind of, you keep me hidden a little bit. Like, you don't let me out of the house in this relationship, but... I mean, it's official. The government recognizes our, our union. I feel like I'm not the first person to treat you that way, but we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. I want you to feel safe here. That would be the voice of Alex Terranova. He's a professional certified coach, or so he tells us. And uh, you are in your fifth or sixth year of coaching. You've published a book. What is that book? The book is called Fictional Authenticity. Uh, we published it. It's almost, can you believe, you know, you and uh, Accomplishment uh, Media, Accomplishment Coaching helped me create this book and uh, published it. And can you believe it's been like a year? That's what I was thinking. It was one year ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. September, so, September. So we're in September, right? I think it was the end of September. Are you wealthy yet? <laughs> Not from that book. Oh, uh, I, I, you know, I think I need probably like 50 more 50. I need to write 50 more. All right. Well, if you'd like a copy of that book, fictional authenticity, or find out more about Alex and the work that he does go to the dream Mason, that's D-R-E-A-M-M-A-S-O-N, the dreammason.com. You can also find his podcasts in the plural. Uh, you've got Flip the Lens. You've got the Dream Mason podcast. Do you have anything else working? I think that's enough. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm actually going to, I'm probably going to be announcing some changes soon, but it's a little premature, but uh, the Dream Mason podcast continues to grow and evolve and it's climbing towards like 150 episodes. So we're still a ways behind this show, but it's pretty cool to think, man, 150 episodes. Yeah. That's, that's pretty and, and a vast majority of them. Very good. Uh, okay. They, they can, people can find you at the dream.com or wherever fine podcasts are available. Yes. Uh, absolutely. How are you, Christopher? Are you having a good morning? You've put all the focus on me, you know, on my needs, my safety, my comfort, my podcasts. To your point, this is how our relationship works. Otherwise, if I, if I try and address any of my needs, then we both end up disappointed. <laughs> Wait, or maybe that's my marriage. Hold on. Let me think. Let me think. No, uh, I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm in the throes of purchasing a new home. And I hate to say that right now because so many people are hurting. So many people are struggling with, with COVID and their un massive unemployment and unwellness in the world. And so you kind of hate to be saying, well, you know, while... Rome was burning. I, I went shopping, right? But um, I, had, I had one of those two-thirds life crises, you know, where I was uh, just sitting around realizing that what I was on track for was to have everything paid off right about the time I passed away and my kids could then sell everything. And I thought, this is not a good plan, right? So uh, I sat down with my spouse and we talked about what we both wanted and, uh, you know, she said no to the first several things I wanted, but then we found some common ground further down the list. And uh, one of them was we wanted a new house. So we went and found a new house. And I don't know if you know this, 
buying a house, it's just like a roller coaster. And if you don't like roller coasters, you shouldn't buy, buy anything. So we're doing the thing where the loan people aren't sure and the inspectors are coming down like, well, like a uh, box, what were they called? Box? <laughs> box elders. Box oh elders, box that's elders. right. They're, they're flooding the place and giving us information that scares the crap out of us. So that's how I'm doing. Thanks for asking. No, Otherwise, that's exciting though. Cool. Yeah, grateful to be alive and well and able to do this kind yeah. of thing. Um, anything, I don't think anything's coming up. The, uh, the Capital Coaches Conference and the Midwest Regional Coaches Conference are both canceled for the year. They're they're regrouping for next year. I'm excited to go next year, but I don't think anything else is coming up. Have you got anything to? You know, I'm. It's not my. I wish it was mine. I mean, I I am working on something. It's too premature to talk about. You know, we. I mean, I can give a kind of a teaser in the sense I don't have dates yet or anything. But we. Uh, you remember that that event we did right when the pandemic started? The how not to lose your shit and other mindfulness tools. Right. Me and the two other people I did that with. It was such a. You know, our goal was a hundred people. Five hundred signed up. And it was such a success that we are building uh, something that's going to be vastly bigger for the end of this year. Uh, again, too early to kind of give details about it, but it is, it has me, as someone said to me yesterday, you sound alive again while talking about things that you're up to. Um, so there's that. And then I found out yesterday, and I don't know, I, I know you, you were the one who, we were one of the people who actually pointed me to it. I'm still part of a BNI group, Business Networking International, and in La Jolla and San Diego, and it, it's phenomenal for my business. I tell new coaches all the time. I mean, you should, you need to be in a BNI group, especially if you're a new coach and you're trying to build the practice. Um, but BNI just announced their uh, one of their keynote speakers for their con virtual conference this year, and it's Seth Godin. So, so to me, it's uh, you know, they, it's like four days of twenty four seven. They're doing twenty four seven conference because it's all virtual, so all different type. And I think it's like forty nine dollars. Right now, so if you're a vis, if even if you're not a member of BNI, you can do forty nine bucks and see Seth Godin and and who knows who else. And his talk this year is actually based on the book that he's about to put out. That's called The Practice, and it's about building a practice and what it takes to build a practice. Um, so it, it seems like it could be very relevant to to coaches and, and people in this field. So I'm super excited about that. All right. Well, thanks for sharing all of that. I think we should get to our guest because she's been patient and delightful. Um, she holds a Master's of Education in Adult Education. She's currently a candidate for Doctor of Coaching Psychology. So we got to talk about that. She's an ACC and a certified career development practitioner. But what brings her to our microphone is her work in participatory social justice. Please welcome to our microphone, Deborah Miller. Hello. Hello. Thank you both for having me. It's lovely to be here. And uh, uh, even though I'm guesting, I'm, uh, I've already got a half a page of notes of all the things that you guys are recommending we do. So it's great to be here. Thank you. Great. Well, we've, and we've developed a healthy fear of the box elder. So it's a good, it's a good trait. Um, let's talk about your interest in social well i i'm not even want to step over it i want to go back to the doctor of coaching psychology what is it that has you pursue this both academically and what do you think the benefits of having a doctorate in coaching psychology would be for any coach 
Um, I'm, I'm glad you asked because it's kind of an interesting story. I'm uh, one of the few human beings that you will meet that uh, I was accepted and started into one doctoral program. And uh, for a couple of reasons, which I'll share with you in a moment, um, it wasn't working for me. So uh, in a moment of desperation, I Googled doctor of coaching. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, came up with this program. So what it was is uh, after my master's of education, I decided I was going to pursue a doctorate in education. And I did literally did months and months of research. I ended up applying to one school for a doctorate of education. I was accepted. I started in the program and it wasn't meeting my needs for um, social justice orientation. And so I had a, a real long, hard look at myself, um, at what I wanted and what kind of a dissertation I wanted to do, what kind of research I wanted to do. And quite literally in a moment of desperation, I Googled doctor of coaching and <laughs> lo and behold, there is such a thing. Um, and so where I've landed is uh, at a, a university called Monarch University or Monarch Business School is in Switzerland. It's an all-distance program. I believe that technically it's a DBA, but it's a DBA in coaching psychology. They have very flexible orientations to their programs. It's a very international flavor and very, very oriented towards social justice. Um, it really has been the soft landing place for me. Um, probably the question that you're you know, want to know is what is a doctor of coaching psychology. So it will not make me, certainly not in Canada, a practicing uh, doctor of psychology. I will be, um, coaching psychology is really just about the science of coaching. Um, and, you know, I think there's, there's not even any real agreement on the definition. Some definitions have um, uh, within them positive psychology um, it certainly acknowledges the roots of coaching in education and in science and in psychology. Um, so that's kind of where I've landed and where I'm grounded. Um, I would highly recommend it. I'm, I'm just really, really loving the work. Um, and I'm at, at the very beginning of this journey. So um, my reset took about a, a year, added about a year onto um, my my doctoral studies and unfortunately but it, it's all in the name of uh, good experience I'm, I'm i'm super intrigued i didn't <laughs> I've, I've often thought about the more i've gone down the road and uh, learning about coaching from my first coach training program with accomplishment coaching to other courses to finding myself very interested in the science the psychology like why the brain works why do these techniques or conversations that coaches have with their clients actually what like why do they actually work the way that they work um so and i did not know this existed this uh doctorate in coaching psychology so thanks for sharing that um i'd love to know just sorry alex i'll just yeah. add one thing yeah in please terms of didn't know like literally like i learned this through google and i just learned about two weeks ago that the icf actually has a community of practice for coaching science oh. There it is. It's there. <laughs> so wait, what does that mean when you say that with the ICF? What is that? What is they have a community? Like, what does that actually mean? Yeah. So community, community of practice means something different to each human being, right? So community of practice in this context appears to me 
to be mainly about um, education. So we are educating our, ourselves as coaches around a, a specific um, element of coaching. There are, like I said, I, I've been a coach for 14 years. I've been a member of ICF, I don't know now, three, four, five years. And this is the first I've heard of it. And I only heard of it because uh, a fellow coach was speaking through this. Um, so uh, evidently there's six, seven, or eight communities of practice through the ICF. Um, they're a little bit hard to find, but if you're logged on, you can find them. I'm sure, Christopher, you can um, throw a link on there. Uh, but yeah, so it's, <laughs> there it is. It's, it's uh, certainly is a growing science. And I, I interrupted your question, Alex, go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, what I wanted to, this is, I mean, I don't know how many people are, would actually be interested in getting a degree like this. I'm like, oh, I want this. Like, I want to, this is something that just for personal interest, what, what are you learning in the process of getting a doctorate in coaching psychology that maybe is different from what you've learned in your training process and becoming a coach in general? Um, sure. So first of all, I have to um, understand it's taken me a while to get my head around the idea of the difference between doing a doctorate and, and a master's degree. So um, this is obviously is very research oriented. Um, I chose this university because I could go right. I have a, a research idea. And um, so I'm literally going right into um, proposal writing. So my first semester was uh, the beginning of my research proposal for my dissertation, uh, starting in a couple of weeks. And it's quite, quite flexible time-wise. Um, I'm registering for a course on uh, critical thinking, which is actually argument mapping. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it and I'm not because uh, I know what I'm going to have to do here is be much more open to counter arguments and and to be willing to make the case. So my dissertation, my, my uh, research and what I'm learning about, so lots and lots and lots of reading and uh, researching is on access and accessibility and coaching. So access being ease of entry and accessibility being ease of use. Well, you've, yeah, you've, you've touched on it. First of all, I just want to enjoy the moment where you said that you were both looking forward to and not looking forward to the, the work on arguments. So I just enjoyed um, that. The, the thing that I love that you've dove, dived into, dove, divid, 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 uh, is this notion of access and social justice within the coaching community. You know, I remember in 2006, uh, standing up at the, I think it was in Denver, the ICF conference that year, and saying, hey, we've got to address in a, in a general meeting that the, this room of whatever it was at that point, 2,000 coaches, does not look like the outside world, right? And so I love that you're doing this work. I love that you're looking at this work inside of coaching. But first of all, am I, is my 2006 self wrong today? Does our coaching universe look more like the real world? Is there more sort of parity and representation of black indigenous people of color and, and more of a worldview? Or is it still dominated by predominantly white, predominantly certain social or economic class certain, and people from North America? Um, so when I started to um, really look at this whole topic, it's interesting because um, 
what you're talking about is coaches talking to coaches and what does that room look like? Um, or how representative is that of the population? And so when I started looking at this, one the, the process-oriented human being in me started mapping out what are the processes of coaching. So to me, it's, it's uh, and again, in this doctoral work, it's in the bigger picture. So um, what does our marketing look like? Who, what do our administrators look like? Um, what do our quality processes look like? What does our uh, what do our presentation materials look like when it comes to educating coaches? Um, and so, yeah, we're not there yet. Um, and and then, you know, ultimately, what do our clients look like? Um, so um, it, it's not only just that what do our coaches look like? And, and you know, certainly in my experience, we're, we're more representative than we were in 2006. Uh, but we still have a very, very long way to go. Um, on on every front, on gender, on on uh, diversity of, of of every kind, on ability and disability, and so um, you know when 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 I look at a room full of coaches, one of the things that I'm looking at myself is, you know, who does your marketing? Who are you marketing to? Who are you uh, who who are you coaching with? And one of the things that I think is my um, really is where my my heart lies, which is um, and how, what's access and accessibility like where it comes to our clients? So what does, what does our client population look like? And we could do, uh, my understanding of your understanding of the facts is that we can do a lot of work in both directions. Is that true? Sorry, Alex, if I stopped. Well, this is, this is the part that I'm not looking forward to is proving my argument wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i mean until now um i've i've uh made quite a strong case that this is uh we're not there yet uh but what i'm going to have to do as i go deeper into this uh doctoral work is to look at the counter arguments um and i expect that they're going to take me some really interesting places into um economics and politics and uh, all of that kind of stuff that we don't really like talking about. I'm, I, I'm curious, like how, I guess like what the thing that's been the most surprising in this, in the research so far, the, like the, you know, you have your theory that you're saying you have to prove wrong. What are you learning or that, or, experiencing in this process that has surprised you or shocked or just been like, wow, I never, no idea, new awarenesses. Um, that's a great question. Thank you, Alex. Um, I, I think um, my experience is very much following what I want to say the current world climate is, is um, how much we, we think we know and how um, how integrated we think we are, and how progressive we think we are, and um, just how much we don't know, um, just how much we don't know about um, uh, who who we are serving, who we want to serve, um, how we best serve them. Um, I know one of the things in my um, research proposal 
um, my professor had me nail down a couple of things that I did not want to nail down. So um, he he had me nail it down. Actually, right now it's the research proposal is sitting at looking at at life coaching. Um, but in my mind, the the issue is is also um, obviously is related to executive coaching. And he had me narrow it down to North America, which I I rallied against quite hard. But because I'm at an international university, um, this is part of the process is is um, uh, nailing down very, very specifically uh, where your research uh, is going to be useful. Um, so that I think was a little bit surprising to me because um, I really wanted this research to be very global in nature. Uh, but I, th- and actually, if we look at it, North America is, um, it is very different. Your country and my country are very different when it comes to um, diversity and inclusion and um, access and accessibility. Um, and in surprising ways. So I, I've learned about you have a couple of um, uh, federal acts that pertain to people with disabilities that that we don't have. Um, although we do, we're possibly a little bit more social leaning where it comes to supporting people with disabilities. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay, more Alex, are you? Okay. No, no, please. You answered, you answered for me. You know, you said she, she said yes. I didn't, we didn't need two of them. <laughs> People saying yes, yes. So, I mean, is to, to be quite as harsh as it sounds, but, okay. you know, here in the States, we got some troubles. We got some big, big troubles, right? And I know a lot of coaches want to make a difference, want to support the leaps forward that are possible here and everything from civil rights to awareness of our intrinsic or baked in uh, white supremacy and racism in our society. And yet at the same time here in the States, we're seeing violent clashes because there are a whole lot of people who feel um, different. To your point, there's an argument going on, right? So um, when we talk about social justice, Sorry, I'm not formulating a very good question. The thing that I want to the thing that I want to point point to is: Are there different ideas of what social justice is? Or when we talk about social justice, are we simply talking about equal access, addressing the racism and systemic bias built into the system, and sort of justice for all? Or are there competing notions of even what social justice is? Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And I'm really glad you asked that question. It's not that harsh. Um, um, So, you know, part of where I enter into this conversation today is in the context of this this idea called participatory social justice. And um, let me give you a little bit of background on that. So uh, when I was doing um, somewhere in the last three years of my research, I came across an article um, it's an academic article, and it, it talked about um, a particip- participatory social justice audit. So, uh, so the central concept of that is that um, we, each one of us, are going to consider what are the core characteristics of equality and how are they embedded into our practices. So I, I think the answer is... 
um, and has to be that it's it's very personal and in the business context. So how, to, especially in coaching, where we are we are our businesses, we are the the heart and soul and face of our businesses. So um, how do we interpret, to your point, what social justice means? And so this article, it was written in the, um, the context of distance learning practices, which I think, you know, um, are very, it's a very applicable to us as coaches and coach educators. Um, so it, it uh, the concept transfers very well. And uh, what it asks us to do this this audit process. So the authors, just the reference there for you, are Tate and O'Rourke, and it's uh, 2014. And so um, this article advocates for this 360 degree audit. And then I go back to um, the idea that I was talking about earlier, which is mapping out what are the process elements. Even just a single coach has marketing process, intake process for internal, intake process for external, technology, uh, administration, credentialing, uh, coach training, and coach education, just for an individual coach. And then for a client, we have what is their impetus for taking, uh, taking on coaching, what are their choices about change, um, what is their, their level of self-efficacy and hope in, in the greater um, model of society. So if we look at that, um, when I really started to look at this article, it kind of occurred to me that the premise would be a great guiding document for creating a coach coaching organization that would be socially uh, just or, or at least oriented that way. Um, so it looks at the entirety of the profession. Um, and so uh, this is, you know, looking at it from all ends. And so these are very personal questions that you're asking yourself in, in this audit, in the context of how well am I serving social justice? And so there's a number of different areas that we would look at. Um, and one of the things that makes it participatory or the thing that makes it participatory is that I'm not just sitting here asking myself. I'm asking potentially the people that I market to. I'm asking potential clients. I'm asking who am I missing um, and how can, how can I ease their access or use? Um, so that's, uh, that's probably where I want to take that in terms of, um, you know, how do, we, how do we define social justice is that's what this audit is, is all about. And this is, this is the work we do as coaches in order to be able to uh, serve our clients. The work is, uh, there's some internal work. You know, we have to look at quite literally, like, um, goodness, I'll give you an example. Uh, just uh, uh, the other day I was developing some materials and I'm like, oh my goodness, all the stock images are white, white people. They're all white people. Um, so I researched and I found uh, a website that uh, that gave me a more diverse uh, diverse population for uh, like for stock images and such. And I'm trained in in media critical media literacy, and so I'm talking about this with a colleague, and my colleague says to me, "Who's profiting from that website?" I said, and my jaw just dropped. I was like. 
oh my goodness, and I'm trained in critical media literacy. And I never checked to see who was profiting from that website. And so asking those questions of ourselves and each other really can, uh, can help make our practice more socially just. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. What's the, like, how would we know, or how would you know, because all of our goals are different, how would you know that we maybe turned a corner or something has actually changed in what you're committed to around social justice? How would we know? Um, and I'm going to assume now that you're talking, are you talking about in the I'm, I'm context of coaching or coach education or... Yeah, we can, we can, I mean, it's a huge, right? We could, uh, I mean, in, in the, in let's, let's narrow it to uh, coaching and coach education, like those kind of fields. Um, yeah. How would we know? Maybe, I don't know about all of us, right? We would all have different measurements, but how would you know what you're up to that, that, Hey, something's changed. We've moved the needle. There's things, things are happening in the direction that you want to see them happen. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that I want to say is the, um, the output of looking inward is not necessarily um, the, the fullness of the process outcome, if that makes sense. So looking inward is probably going to give you more questions than answers, right? So the idea is that, that you know, if we're doing a participatory social justice audit, we're describing what is. And so what do you do with that? I, and, and to your point, what's the outcome? Uh, so I think from that, you're visioning what is your your organization, whether it's your yourself as a coach, um, and and we coaches need to start thinking of ourselves as businesses because we are. Um, so what is your what is your end game? So then uh, maybe almost taking on an appreciative inquiry type of a um, uh, 
an output. So we, we now we've done this inward looking, we've asked clients and potential clients, and then we have something that's probably more questions than answers. It's probably quite descriptive of what we, who we are, what we do and what we don't do. And then dreaming into the future uh, as to who we want to be and then living into that goal. And then, um, and then from there, I would, uh, would envision it being a constant reflective and reflexive practice where we're looking um, at ourselves as we're progressing towards our goals. And then we're also looking, doing that meta reflection piece as well. Does that make sense? It does. Um, so is there something I'm, I'm kind of looking, I guess I'm looking for like, what would we, I hear it like very scientifically, right? Like it's a very, yeah. sci like almost sounds very scientific of an answer. What would we see you know, is there something that you would hope to see that would be different in just like the experience of being a coach or, you know, you were talking about um, yeah. how we get clients or what our practices look like in marketing. Is there something that would be overtly obvious that, that we'd all kind of see if there was a change in your, in your. Yeah. 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 To your point. I'm so, I'm so happy to hear. I sound like a scientist. You just blew my imposter syndrome right out of the water for the next, you know, three months. I can, uh, for a very small fee, I can call you once a week and, uh, and, and remind you of that. Yeah. You, know, cool. you can talk and I can tell you, you sound like a scientist. And <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess my, my, and I want to go back to the question again. Um, so your question is like, what would be different? Um, so I guess there's a couple of things that I would want to be different. Um, one is that um, we have a model. I think it's pretty much universal in coaching where we have a certain set fee here and we give away coaching here, pro bono coaching. Um, some of us have sliding scale rates. Um, but I, what I would like to see um, is I would like to see, uh, because I don't know that charging this over here and giving it away or giving it at a scale rate um, translates all that well. So if you're an executive coach um, and you're doing pro bono coaching in the community, um, for example, for uh, populations that are marginalized, how embedded are you in those communities? How much do you really understand about those communities before you give away your coaching? So how are you, um, what I would like to see is I would like to see almost a, a more even slate of um, availability of coaching. So um, again, if you're an executive, you know, if you're sort of a director or, or above, it's, it's almost assumed in any major corporation that you're, you will have access to, uh, to coaching uh, or executive coaching. But what happens at um, the entry level there? What happens at jobs that are not as stable? So where there's a, an entirely different socioeconomic stratosphere, um, I would like to see um, that being served. Um, and so at the end of this, in my mind, there's more of that. If you ask me as a scientist, that's what my research is going to do. So I'll be designing a, a program 
that will um, essentially start off as a masterclass and that will um, uh, train up because that's the other thing is that we need to start looking at um, people from, for example, marginalized communities that we want to serve, um, not just coaching them, but this is a perfectly good um, uh, profession for, uh, for example, people who have um, uh, disabilities that, that are not always apparent. So, um, you know, if you have a certain condition that um, uh, sometimes is in remission, yeah, um, yeah. or if you're limited mobility or whatever it is, this is a perfectly good profession. But if you're, again, in a stratosphere that's marginalized, how do you get access even to coach training? Well, let's talk, let's talk more about that because I'm uh, the purveyor of a coach training organization. We medium size, I guess. We graduate 150 people a year or more. Um, what is the science telling us or what is your heart telling us about how to get more marginalized communities into coaching? To your point, I think you're right. Differently abled people, including, I'm guessing that probably the, some of the best coaches among us find people, right? People with sight impairments, don't you think? Because they're actually listening at a level that, you know, most of us don't have to, right? So I'm envisioning this whole group of people who don't have access financially or or uh, culturally or even, you know, a way to get into the, when we, in the before times, the building where we were leading coach training. What's the answer for access there? Is it to discount things? Is it to start? quota systems or programs, or does the science tell us anything, or does your heart tell us anything about how to improve that? Um, so um, I want to I, I wanna sort of open the definition on disability a little bit and play with that if we can. So um, um, part of that, you know, it, the question is, how do we de define disability even? And so um, if we look at um, the medical model of disability, it, it may well be that, that a person uh, is, is sight impaired or hearing impaired or whatever it is. Um, but if we look at more of a social model of disability where are, are you actually, like the fact that you, you have a different set of abilities than I do, are you disabled or are you disabled by society not, not uh, having the uh, appropriate uh, openness? to your abilities. So that, I mean, that's, that's, a big, uh, that's a big discussion in the disability community. But to your, to your point about, you know, how do we open um, access? One of those, you know, I wanna bring you back to um, the idea of this participatory social justice audit. Um, and and I, I would suggest to you that there are probably some questions that would lead you to some answers, uh, but I don't know specifically. Um, sometimes it's a matter of, um, you know, opening up spots. I can tell you uh, of a well-known coach coaching organization that opened up uh, spots and then found out that their facility was not accessible. Um, so, and, and that's why I would lead you right back to the beginning in terms of, of the audit. So what my work is, uh, one of the focuses is 
not about exceptionality. So like not about how do we accommodate somebody who, who has an impairment uh, for sight, but how do we design our, again, our marketing, our intake, our education in such a way that it doesn't require an accommodation for that person? Um, because what you're going to get is a million permutations. Um, so in, in my work in the community with people with disabilities, I've, um, I can tell you, you know, out of half a dozen people who have had sight impairments, they have all uh, required different, level, different kinds of accommodation. So, for example, um, to do materials in Braille print, if, if the person is a Braille print reader, by the way, is really, really expensive to, to translate materials into Braille print. Um, but are there other ways that perhaps um, the program could be designed in such a way that, that the print material um, is accessible in any number of different ways? So, for example, is there, is there audio? Um, you know, what are, what are the other ways that you can do that? Um, so I think it's, it's quite individualistic. Um, it, uh, very often comes, I would imagine would come out of asking those questions. So what are, for example, what are the barriers to entry into, uh, into my building, um, into applying for the program? Does everyone who applies get, get in? Uh, what are the financial barriers? If you have, um, for example, if you have uh, some sort of a scale rate, does it require disclosure? Um, there are many, many disabilities that are not visible. So in order to get an accommodation, does a person have to disclose, uh, making it no longer their choice for disclosure? Um, so those are, I, I think, some of the issues around it. I think, you know, it, it starts with that openness to ask the, those questions and to really, really look at um, every single process. Um, you know, for example, um, uh, if you take, you know, a coaching school and they may have a, you may have a process for somebody to put together a, 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 an assignment. Is that assignment uh, friendly to people who are neurodiverse? Is it, um, is there a lot of heavy reading in the course and, and what are the alternatives for that? Um, so I think lots and lots of questions and part of that, um, you know, starts with that introspection. Does that make sense? It does. Um, oh, go ahead. No, well, it's interesting. It reminds me, it made me think of, um, I, I have a, I got a, a new client recently who, right when we started talking, shared with me some, some challenges that they have, some mental health challenges, some learning challenges. And we, before we started working together, we looked at how we could create it. So the structure would be really supportive for them as a specific individual. It was the first time somebody showed up to me with these very specific, like, I need to let you know about these things that are going on for me. And I had to go consult with like a therapist and like get some other, you know, opinions because as a coach, these are not areas that I was necessarily trained in. And then um, I had in the week after I had clients that I'd had for a while share with me that they like they, it was weird, it came up that they also had some things that I've been working with for a really long time, but things were never disclosed. 
And it just had me think like, man, how ineffective may I have been as a coach over this last year? And it's not, I don't want to say it's my fault or their fault, like just simply because I didn't know what I didn't know. And they either didn't know that they had the space to share it or um, whatever had them not share it. Maybe it was just an automatic, maybe there was something I created, but it had me think about, man, none of us fit into a box perfectly like into a perfect, like, this is how you learn. This is how you think. This is everything. You know, we all have something to, it just had me think about how do we better cultivate our services to all different kinds of people of all different, not only like races and, and, and ethnicities and where they come from, but learning styles, disability, mental health, all sorts of things. Um, Cause what I've, at least what I've noticed is my clients are vastly different in those categories. Um, is there, when, when people come to you to work with you, is there anything that you do to actually encourage that kind of conversation? Like right from the start. So you know where yeah. people kind of stand. Yeah. Yeah, there is. So uh, first of all, I think that um, as coaches um, from a, I want to say from a sort of, universal standpoint we 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 coach the clients that come to us are are come to us for a reason so um but maybe we want to expand that in in the context of this conversation uh but there's there's a number of things that i do that that might even go against pcc markers to be perfectly frank i had a conversation with a colleague of mine the other day who's an executive coach i don't do a lot of executive coaching and uh, this person was talking about whether or not Uh, notes should be taken during a session. Uh, Well, that's one of the things that I actually very often offer my clients. So how, how am I best serving you? Like, am I capturing some of the key elements of our discussion for your follow-up. Um, very Sometimes I will actually just take a quick picture of, of uh, notes that I've taken and, and zip it off to the client. Um, sometimes it requires, um, if I know somebody particularly has episodic mental health issues, um, it might require me being a little bit uh, more lenient uh, with uh, cancellation policies and so on. Um, and, and part of that goes back to our, what are our fundamental assumptions where it comes to creative, resourceful, and whole? So, you know, it, it, is there something underlying that, that, you know, that we expect a client um, to do out there, for example, you know, what is their, uh, the work is out there. It's, you know, there's talking in here, but there's some work out there to be done. So what if that doesn't get done? And what if it hasn't been discussed in such a way that's actionable for my client? So we, we look at all of those things. Um, Many of my clients uh, would prefer not to be on a video call and that's completely fine with me. Um, you know, once upon a time, we all did coaching by phone. <laughs> it's still possible. Um, so it's really um, looking at, you know, uh, a lot of my my work is in the principles of universal design. So really looking at um, how do we make coaching available in such a way that my client does not need an exception. So that might, you know, right up front in the in the dialogue about 
how are we going to work together so that my client doesn't necessarily have to disclose. I'm saying right away, these are some options that are available to you in terms of the way that I work. I can take notes. You can take notes. We can coach by phone or not. Um, uh, if there's a, 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 you know, a specific reason that um, you need leniency in, in cancellation policies, I can do that. Um, you know, I um, even uh, just last week, I had a, a client who I had given what I thought was a very uh, a small, this was actually in career uh, coaching, but very similar. So a very small uh, assignment to do outside of coaching. And it didn't get done. And afterwards, I thought about it. And I thought, you know, I think it's possible this client doesn't know how to start this. So, um, you know, we shared a screen and, you know, we did, we did the beginning part of it together. So is that, you know, strictly within the, the, the ICF PCC markers? Maybe, maybe not. But is it in the best interest of the client? Is it me considering the client is creative, resourceful, and whole, and that that might be a different definition than, than coaches or than, than uh, specific markers might suggest? Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing all of that. And I, it's really food for thought. I was hopeful for more answers. Um, uh, in terms of what we all should do. But let me ask you this, in your studies, what do you think, if there were one thing that you could have all coaches everywhere start doing or stop doing or do better, what's your, what's your sort of wish for coaching? What would you, what would you have us do with your magic problem? Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you a quote for that, actually. Um, I think I've said enough of my words already. Uh, but the quote is, and this is from one of my very favorite books. I'll just hold it up for you so you can see how dog-eared it is. <laughs> um, and this is a book by Alan Johnston called Privilege, Oppression, and Difference. And so the quote is, when we dare to question who we are and how the world works, things happen. As pioneers, we discover what is possible only by putting ourselves in motion. This is how alternatives begin to appear. So um, what I would suggest is, is taking the courageous action to really um, look introspectively, um, to really not make assumptions about our clients, to ask ourselves hard questions about um, uh, ourselves, how we coach, what processes we enter into. And then finally, to consider, like to your point about what does social justice mean to any one person, there's the idea of the stubborn ounces of my weight. And that is really is what change the, changes the world is the stubborn ounces of my weight. So that's, that's what I would leave you with. Uh, Christopher, your mic is off. Thank you very much. Rookie move. I'm sorry. Um, how can people work with you? It seems clear that you are a coach, but it's it's almost like you would be better suited to advising coaches on that or coach training organizations. Yeah. So I, I've been a coaching practice leader, um, and I probably, you're quite right, I'm, I'm um, 
and better in that, that consulting capacity. Um, so uh, they can reach me at, uh, it's Deborah, and it's D-E-B-O-R-A-H dot Miller, uh, M-I-L-L-E-R at personagrataconsulting.com. Uh, that's P-E-R-S-O-N-A, grata, G-R-A-T-A, consulting.com. Um, and so I can uh, certainly uh, provide a consultation. I'd be happy to do that. Um, and that's that's where people can reach me. Uh, I'm good. hoping that um, uh, this fall, if not this winter, I'll actually be putting out an offering that kind of amounts to a social justice roundtable for coaches. Oh, that's so needed. And again, we can find out that or follow all of your uh, work and writings at Persona Grata. That's P-E-R-S-O-N-A-S-O-N-A. Say Grata, G-R-A-T-A, consulting.com. Also find me on LinkedIn. That's probably, um, that's my, the the place where I'm most active is on LinkedIn. Also Persona Grata Consulting there as well. Yeah. Very good. Well, it's been lovely to be with you, and I want to make sure that we give you sort of the last word today. If you had a parting thought or a parting shot or a challenge for coaches listening, what would you have us take on? I know you've given us a couple of beauties already, but do you have something else that you'd like to leave us with today? Yeah, um, I want to say something, probably the one of the simplest things that I've said, and and I take this advice to heart myself, which is to be effective, that we only need to just make different choices. So beautiful and so clear. That's Deborah Miller. Check her out at Persona Grata Consulting. That's P-E-R-S-O-N-A, Grata, G-R-A-T-A, Consulting, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. Deborah, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for all the work that you're doing in your own life and expanding your own mindset so that we can expand ours. Um, Alex, any anything that you want the people to know before we say goodbye to you? I'm, I'm very impressed with your spelling. That just, you know, you just ramble. <laughs> um, you know, I like think use it in a sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, I, um, I'm, I'm actually, thanks for sharing with us that, uh, you know, there are doctor programs in coaching, something that I, you know, I feel like I know a lot and to, to, to introduce something completely new. I'm sure a lot of our listeners, you know, are probably curious or you know, have some exploring to do. So thanks for bringing that to the show in this episode. Thank you. Thank you. It's been my absolute joy to to be with you both. Thank you so much for taking the time. And that voice just before that was Alex Terranova. You can find him on thedreammason.com. Get his book, Fictional Authenticity. Go to the website and take an authenticity audit for yourself or just listen to it at Flip the Lens podcast or the Dream Mason podcast, uh, both available here at Accomplishment Media or wherever fine podcasts are available. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, and I want to thank you, dear listener, for spending some time with us. We are here each and every week bringing you people out on the cutting edge of coaching, people you need to know about, or just plain interesting stuff. Uh, But only for 17 years we've been doing this. I thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.